Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm back after a couple weeks. Uh, took a trip to Colorado. Couldn't get a recording done there. Had COVID. Couldn't record there because I felt like shit. But I'm back. And with me is the return of Lucas after two-week break from having a, his second baby in a year. So if you uh, message Lucas on the old socials, be sure to congratulate him on the newest arrival. Uh, today's show, we're going to talk a little about my experience in Colorado. First time on an airplane in an airport. Uh, airports kind of suck, I found out. Not as glamorous as they are in the movies. Uh, Colorado was awesome, though. Found my dream job there. So if you're listening to this, uh, powers that be in Ohio, make sure you make a legalized marijuana thing here because I would like to work in that industry, to be honest with you. Sounds like a lot of fun. We're also going to talk a little World Cup action. They announced the host cities for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. We're going to talk a little to Sean Watson, uh, what we think uh, his suspension is going to be. What do the Browns do with Baker Mayfield? Do they keep him now just to play it safe? They get him out of town. And we're also going to talk about uh, Vince McMahon not being able to keep his peace in his pants. Ought to be a fun episode. So after the guitar riff, the Couch Potato Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. I am Russ and after a crazy couple of weeks, we are back on the air and with me is also the return of Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, man? Uh, I know you've been very busy here recently. Uh, How's uh, being a father again for the second time in, what, a little over a year? Yeah, well, yeah, she was actually born uh, about a week before my son's first birthday, so... Yeah, two babies in under a year. It's uh, it's insane. I don't recommend it for anybody if you like to sleep. <laughs> well, I do like sleep too. Uh, I've been through that. I can't imagine. I don't want to call it a nightmare because kids are awesome, even though they drive you nuts. But I can't imagine the the hellish landscape of having to deal with a one year old and a newborn. Yeah, and he just started walking, so he's uh, he's walking all over the place, throwing everything on the ground, you know, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's going to be the theme of today's show is uh, keeping it in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Old Vince. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I know for me, uh, I had planned on doing an episode. Uh, my wife and I, we took a trip to Colorado, which was awesome. Uh, I discovered a first time in a marijuana dispensary, like a legal, oh, yeah. like, yeah. And I tell oh, you yeah, what, you man. Just, you haven't been in one. Because here where we are, it's medical only, mm-hmm. and you have to have an actual card. So yeah, and then uh, we went to the uh, state up north, and they have it to where you, if you don't have a medical card, you can like at least where I went, you can wait in this lobby. Yeah. So I kind of hung out in the lobby, but yeah, this is my first time going into one, and I tell you what, dude, like this is my fucking dream job. Is it? <laughs> oh, dude, like they have people that work like the front desk and it's like they basically get paid to smoke weed and take edibles and stuff. And then like they just they give you like their expert advice on stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, uh, I'm looking for something, you know, that kind of mellow me out a little bit. But I don't want too much of a head, you know, like a head high. I just want like, you know, a body high. Like, oh, well, here we have the peaches and herb. You know, it it's a very smooth, mellow high where, you know. It, kind of takes the edge off, but you still have your functions about you. And I'm just listening to them describe this. I'm like, fuck, I need to do this. 
Well, only if you're going to do it in that voice, too. Oh, I'll totally do it. If Ohio makes it legal to where I could get a job doing that, yeah, like I'm just going to be like, that is research that I will devote 24 <laughs> hours, seven days a week doing. And well, like, I will be the gold standard for uh, marijuana sales in Ohio. Well, since, uh, since you know, I have my medical card, mm-hmm. I actually have a new one that I'm uh, smoking on right now as we're talking. And it is, uh, it's a one-to-one. So there's a lot of CBD in here. So it'll actually help my back pain. Yeah. See, like I could totally do that. It's as if it has an earthy, uh, a cinnamon uh, kickback, which uh, gives you the impression of, I liken it myself to uh, morning cinnamon rolls with coffee. <laughs> That'd be so fucking cool. Oh, would be. Um, yeah, dude, like I was in it, one of those, uh, I was like, fuck, I, if I could get paid to do this, like I would be in fucking hog heaven. So what what was it like? So he, here, let me describe you what the medical ones look like here that I've been in. So I've been in two different dispensaries. Um, they're both in the, you know in the city that you live. So um, when you walk in, there's like a lobby. Guy takes your info, and then they take you back into this locked door room. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're in there, one of them has like display cases in the middle where you can look at different um, products like grinders and um, like uh, vape batteries and stuff like that. You can look at all that, and then they go, you go up to a desk, and they've got the menu up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I imagine Colorado is like one of those ones where you go into a candy store and you just, like, twist the fucking bottom. You know, you just I, measure it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I was expected to be like, uh, oh, shit, um. Kind of like uh, the scene in Anchorman when uh, him and Veronica have sex for the first time. You see like those like that cartoon like pony on the rainbow and stuff, and they have that song playing. Yeah, and, like all these like buds and edibles just come flying at you, and you're just it's right. It's nothing like that. Um, we went to two. Uh, one was actually a very cool name. It was called uh, Strawberry Fields, which was named after the Beatles song, and it was I don't know, it was kind of an I guess for lack of a better term, it's kind of in a janky area. Like you had to go up the staircase and there was a guy waiting, like a security guard. He was waiting in a room. You could only go like a couple people could go back at a time. Yeah. So we went in there um, and it was just set up kind of like, it looked like the counter of a convenience store where they keep all the cigarettes and stuff. And like, it used to be like before the internet took over porn, like, you know, like that's where they kept the dirty magazines, the cigarettes and shit like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how they both were. We went to another one uh, when we first got there. That was a little bit more upscale. Uh, it still looked like it had the uh, the bars, like somebody's house. Like, you're not breaking into my house. I've got the steel bars all over the windows. Yeah. But it was a little bit more uh, upscale, I guess. It had, like, uh, LED screens that kind of give you the, the menu and let you know the pricing and shit. And then they had, like, a little, uh, like, an L-shaped display case with like all the different products and shit they offered. Mm, very cool. Yeah. They make you show your ID and yeah. Yeah. That's it. It was seriously so fucking cool. Like, man, like Ohio, you need to get on the ball. You need legalized marijuana and you need sports gambling. That would maybe entice me to stay a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of having to go on vacation to better places. Right. 
And then, uh, of course, uh, we come back. Uh, it was my first time in an airport, too. And I will just say that my first flight was not what I expected it to be. How so? Uh, well, first off, I kind of expected them to be a little bit more spacious than they were. I kind of felt like I was crammed into, like, a can of sardines. Yeah. <laughs> and airport people are the most entitled fucking people I have ever met in my life. Yeah. Uh, on the flight home, my wife and I had to, uh, we sat in the same aisle, but we were divided. Or we sat in the same row, but we were divided by the aisle. So we both had the aisle seats. Right. And there was a woman that was eating a cob salad that just fucking smelled like somebody had killed a skunk or a squirrel oh. and threw it in there. It smelled so fucking bad. And we had mask on and she's just devouring this thing. Like took her the whole, almost the whole flight to fucking eat it. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, was people a, bump into you. Was it a direct you. flight? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's good, at least. But yeah, I just kind of expected it to be one of those things where, like I see in the movies, like, oh, you know, there's plenty of leg room, you know, like that big, open... Nope, it's just, like, two rows, three seats, or, yeah, two rows, three seats per aisle, and it's just like, yeah... Nothing I expected. And, like, uh, we had a little bit of uh, rough turbulence uh, yeah, that, coming into Yeah, that's my biggest fear. That <laughs> eh, wasn't bad, though. I was just like, well, I guess if this is the way I'm going, this is the way I'm going, I guess. Like, can't, can't really parachute out the back. Nah, that's true. And then when we were waiting to board our flight, um, I didn't know they did this, but they board you by, uh, they have, like, an A group, a B group, C group, whatever. Yeah, so you pick your seats. The flight home, I think, was pretty much a full flight. So my wife and I decided to get the jump and try to get to the head of our, cause we were the last group to board. So you were C. Yeah, we were the C group. So like, fuck it. We're going to hop in here. We're going to be the first ones to get in. So we can at least attempt to sit together. Yeah. Well, this old lady just comes up to me, just starts shooting the shit and just fucking cuts me right in line. And just not even like, not even apologetic about it. She was just bitching about, Oh, my girlfriend and I are, you know, I don't want to get separated from her. We got separated on the flight here. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to prevent with my my wife and I. She's like, nope, didn't care. Just kept talking to me like she didn't just blatantly cut to the front of the line or nothing. Mm. And then just the the whole terminal people just cut in front of you. You try to get coffees, people being rude about that. And I was like, this place fucking sucks. Yeah. And, of course... We get home a couple days later, bring home that son of a bitch COVID. Hits my whole house. Yeah. How, how is everyone doing? Oh, everyone's good now. Uh, you know, luckily, my wife and I are both vaccinated, got the boosters. Not going to turn this into a political discussion with people listening out there. We just decided to get the old vaccine. If I grow a horn later on, so be it. Um, I mean, it wasn't. Hateful. I mean, we felt like shit for a few days. Uh, still struggling with my sense of taste and smell a little bit. Uh, just now got over primarily the fatigue aspect where, I mean, I was, it was kicking my ass for a few days, just feeling tired and shit. Yeah. I've uh, been there. Kids doing okay. Yeah, the isolation kind of sucks, though, just not being able to do much. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you're not, you guys are like, out of the house a lot. You guys are on the go a lot, so mm-hmm. being in the house is, is quite the contrast to what you're used to. Yeah. 
but it has given me an opportunity to really sink my teeth into a bunch of shit, though. So I've been able to like dig in and do a lot of reading, catching up on, you know, sports, movies, TV, wrestling, music, shit that I haven't been able to devote as much time to. So, oh yeah, I meant to tell you. So my son, he grabs my Xbox controller all the time. Oh, when you he said hit your Xbox controller, I was like, so my son accidentally honks my goose. <laughs> oh no that that does happen and that's painful yeah especially when it's falling down and my daughter's big thing is uh she'll stand up when i'm sitting in a chair and just grinds her foot like she's putting out a cigarette butt right on my crotch oh lovely yeah so he, he grabs my controller and he uh he knows how to turn on the xbox and i have it programmed to where whatever turns on the the tv my receiver automatically switches over to it so he uh, he like he pu- he was playing with the joystick and he went down and he hit the A button and he kept hitting it and I wasn't paying attention you know he's always on there I thought you know he might start a game up or whatever no he bought the movie Ambulance I watched that account. good movie <laughs> well I own it now so <laughs> that was a good movie uh, we watched it on Sunday because it's on the it's on the cock yeah I I knew it was free somewhere which is, makes it even more fun that I. Spent twenty two dollars on a movie that I didn't even buy. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I uh, I sat on my uh, remote control the other day and bought the Batman. <laughs> even though I own, it, we have HBO Max, so we can watch oh. it whenever we want. But yeah, I own yeah, the Batman. That's though. a good. That's a good one to own. Though. That's a good movie. Yeah. So, well, a uh, lot to uh, dig into on today's episode. Uh, nice catching up with you for a minute. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, big. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, when I decided to record this tonight, leading up to this, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about. This is a time of the year where it's kind of slow in sports. There's no football, really. Uh, I mean, baseball, to me, is always really kicked in the steam, probably after the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be one of these people that pretends to watch the NBA all the time. I don't. Uh, so... The NBA Finals, like I kind of tuned in a little bit. Uh, I've been trying to catch the Stanley Cup Finals when I can, but I'm not that knowledgeable of hockey to well, really, I mean, you know, be able to speak it, to it clearly. So, seems like Tampa Bay is always there. Golden State's always there in the NBA. Right, so. right. But uh, hey, uh, despicable people, they decided to make my job easy this week. So, <laughs> speaking of the cock. Right. Uh, but first, I know uh, you and I, had, uh, we didn't get a really chance to uh, text about this, but uh, you're a big soccer fan. I am. Um, probably a topic that maybe we'll create a segment. We'll give you like Lucas's three good soccer minutes or Lucas's soccer minute or something. Our, but, uh, uh, our overseas listeners will love it. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that we seem to do pretty well with the soccer community, at least countries that are good at soccer. The United States not being one of them. But uh, the was that the 2026, right? Yeah. They announced the uh, host cities for the World Cup. So, uh, so do, you have the, do you have the field handy before we, uh, we dive into this? Uh, I am going to pull up the list real quick. Um, I had it, but once again, my son likes to grab my phone also and do whatever he wants with it. So, he... Close what I was looking at. All right. 
Host cities. Host cities. Uh, all right. So it, this is this will be the first uh, World Cup where there is 48 teams. Right now they're at 32. Um, so oh, you know, expanding. before you get into that, we are recording on June the 17th. And uh, it just made me think of the uh, on this day in 94, the uh, World Cup kicked off in the United States. Yep, that's right. Was, all, was this that was the? Uh, this is a huge I, sports day in '94. Um, I'm just trying to rattle off the top of my head. World Cup was in Chicago, I believe. I think it kicked off in Chicago. The New York Rangers had their uh, Stanley Cup uh, parade in New York City. Uh, it was Game Three, I believe, or four of the NBA Finals, and. This was the day of the infamous O.J. Simpson Bronco chase. The day that changed my life forever. My dad watched every single day of that trial. Well, my brother and I were big basketball fans as kids, and we were actually yeah. trying to watch the Knicks and the uh, Rockets. Is um, my one of my brother's favorite players as a kid was Hakeem Olajuwon, so he's like super stoked. He's in the finals, and yeah, they gave you a box. It's probably the size of a. Like a, like a postcard, and then the rest of the TV was just the L.A. Police Department chasing O.J. On yeah, the LA and, and for our younger listeners, the TVs weren't widescreen like they are now. Mm-hmm. They were. It was a. It was a box essentially. It was. It was four by three. So when they went picture in picture on you, like they did for that, that chase, um, your picture in picture was awfully small. Because mm-hmm. TVs were. They were fucking expensive and heavy the bigger that you went. So like a 32-inch, if you had a 32-inch tube TV, you were pretty much set. Yeah, it's like you're trying to – it's like suplexing uh, Roman Reigns as we yeah. try to pick that up. Um, yeah, there's a – just segue real quick. If you have a chance, if you have ESPN+, Plus, there's a really cool 30 for 30 about this day that you can watch. I think it's called June 17th. Or six seventeen ninety four something like that. You find it on there. Awesome, awesome documentary. But uh, go ahead. Uh, what are the host cities for the two thousand twenty six World Cup? So, like, is it this expanded to forty eight teams? Well, they also it's the first time it's three countries hosting it. Mm-hmm. Now, the United States is going to do the majority, more than likely, of the hosting. Um, so, did, was did the United States win the bid, or did like Canada? Mexico and uh, the United States, kind of like North America, put in the bid for it. It was North America. Okay, I didn't know if that was the case or not. So it was North America against uh, Morocco was the other uh, final bidder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the 94 World Cup, like you were talking about, is still the highest attended World Cup of all time, even though it was in 94. And I there's 32 teams now. I think there was only 20 four then so there's even less games and it still had the most attendance of all time now have they expanded the field just because of soccer's popularity growing from 94 till now or it's fifa wanting more money really oh yeah because there's, I guess it makes sense. there's gonna be some really bad bad countries in there like we're gonna see from our region alone so there's not gonna be any qualifying um for all you just pay money and you're in so there's going to be, like, a traveling team, like a community college somewhere. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, since the U.S., uh, Mexico, and Canada are the host countries, as the host, you're automatically in. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get teams like El Salvador, Costa Rica, Honduras, uh, maybe even Guatemala from this region, or like, fucking Cuba, or somebody horrible. Please welcome Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they actually used to be good at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. Shows you how much I know about soccer. Um, so in Canada, Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver um, are the Canadian teams. Although that doesn't that doesn't no, it was just Vancouver and Toronto. Edmonton put in a bid. I'm sorry, that's my fault. Mm-hmm. I thought it didn't sound right. I thought they only got two venues. Um, I was trying to see. So BMO Field um, is where Toronto FC plays, and that's going to be one of the host cities. So an MLS team um, with a soccer-specific stadium is actually going to host a World Cup game, which is really cool. Mm. Uh, In Mexico, Mexico City, uh, which will have its third World Cup hosting, Um, they did 1986 and I think 1970 for the two years that they hosted already. Um, Monterrey and Guadalajara are also going to be uh, host cities. And then in the United States, which is what you know you and I would mostly care about or anybody that could possibly go to a game, they're going to be really fucking expensive. Uh, New York slash New Jersey. I'm surprised they actually called it New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And New York just wasn't like, no, fuck you. That's ours. No, I didn't get a chance to see the stadiums for uh... – well, go ahead. Name them off, and then I'll, I'll come up with my question next. Well, I, I can name off the stadiums if you'd like to. Well, I was just curious. I was like, is it. it all football – like mostly football stadiums? Because I the, you said Mexico City's got one? Yeah. Now, that's, is that where they host the uh, – when the NFL goes to Mexico City, is that where they have – okay. Yeah, Estadio Azteca. Um, so they got MetLife Stadium. In New, which is in New Jersey, but it's where the New York teams play. In New York. New York. Um, you got AT&T Stadium in Dallas. You have You're Arrowhead. you right I got World Cup game. I'm going to see if I can host the finals. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad place to have the final. That would be really cool. place holds about 100,000, I think, with when soccer you think games. Of, when you think of American football, you think of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're going to think world football, you're going to think Dallas Cowboys, too. <laughs> That's a horrible Thank you, Jerry. Jerry. Thanks for coming on to our show. Y'all, you're welcome, boys. I'm going to dip on out. Um, one of the surprise uh, selections was Kansas City. Um, the only reason it's a surprise is because they had the option also of Denver and Cincinnati, which I I never thought you asked me um, about Cincinnati, I think, before we came on. Um, Cincinnati was probably never going to actually get the bid because they'd have to spend $10 million mm. to um, change the field dimensions because the soccer field is a lot wider than a, an NFL football say, uh, field is. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That doesn't strike me as like – I mean, the fucking Cincinnati Bengals don't even have an indoor training facility for their team at the moment. They're not going to sink $10 million into hosting – it would just be one, maybe two games, right? 
Or do they? Um, no, they do them in like pockets, kind of like they do with the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Okay. So they would they would hold probably at least six games, I would think. Mm. Plus, they would have to replace the field is uh, turf. They would have to replace it all with natural grass. Yeah, Paul Brown ain't doing that. No. Uh, NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Lumen Field in Seattle, Washington which is actually a really big deal. Seattle is probably one of the bigger soccer markets in the USA. So mm. them getting that is actually really cool. Um, Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Uh, Levi Stadium in San Francisco. Um, I don't know why this is cutting off, but um, I know that they're doing it at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Mm. Home and of the Patriots. Har- yeah, I mean, they're... They're calling it. They call that one Boston. <laughs> well, yeah, New England's essentially the Boston's football team. Yeah, but in in Foxborough, like thirty minutes away from Boston. Well, I mean, it's no different than uh, the New York Jets and the New York Giants playing in Jersey. That's true. And then uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Now I am shocked that SoFi in LA didn't get it. I guess I since oh, uh, yeah, San Francisco, they did. Oh, SoFi got it. Yeah, sorry. That's uh, this list. If you look at my phone, I know that people listening can't see it, but just imagine, just it. imagine like, a night on iPhone 13. You have the Max, right? Yeah. Just imagine it in Lucas's chiseled, dick battered hand. <laughs> um, years and years of abuse in that hand. Well, yeah. And that's until you know I started making all these babies all every year. Yeah. Um, yes, it is at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Okay. Well. So how how do they put how do they put uh, these? Do they just like is it a blind bid or do they like how do, how does this bidding process work for these stadiums um, to get these? So there there's a limited. You have to have at least forty eight thousand seats, I believe, mm-hmm. is the FIFA number, um, which most of the football american football stadiums that we have here in america can hold that anyway Mm -hmm. that'd be like a really small small football stadium for us but um the teams um or the cities typically get together with the team and they put in a bid like um for cincinnati it was all of hamilton county put in that bid so they'll pay money for it Uh, i don't know how much but they will pay for the bid and well, isn't FIFA get, a very crooked organization, anyways? Oh yeah, they're they're money thieves. So, yeah, just not enough. Um, it's kind of like the IOC. You know, they're crooked as shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, they so they put in their bids and then they narrow. FIFA comes out, looks at the stadiums, look at looks at the area, tells them what needs improved, what can you know this and that, and then they uh, narrow it down to the final couple uh, cities and. Then on what was it Thursday yesterday they announced the host cities. Does the uh, the market itself, like the TV market or whatever, does that have anything to do with it? Because I mean, I would imagine that like places like L.A., New York, have an obvious advantage over somebody like Cincinnati or Denver or somebody like that. Well, they they only have the advantage because of population. Mm. You know, America is so diverse. The the TV numbers don't really matter so much for the World Cup because there's going to be five, six billion people that watch it anyway. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess that makes sense because Chicago didn't get. Which shocked the hell out of me because Chicago had one in '94, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and Soldier Field, they've just they've just updated it. They updated that not ago. too long. Yeah, it was like less than ten years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of like USA and Mexico, a lot of their games that they play against each other is in Chicago mm-hmm. because it's such a nice stadium. It's so diverse. There's obviously there's a lot of Mexicans that live in Chicago, so. Mm. That helps Mexico, but um, I was really surprised that they didn't have Chicago on there. Now, are um, all of these host cities, are they going to have, like, the uh, the pools, or is it going to be, like, um, kind of like how they do with the – like, I'm sorry if these questions sound ignorant. I'm not a big soccer no, you're, guy, so you're yeah. schooling me, so this is good. Um, so are these, like uh, – are each one of these cities going to be, like – like Dallas is going to have like pool C and then Kansas city is going to have like pool F or is it one of those things like the NCAA tournament, like certain cities will have certain rounds and then like, it'll go to like, they'll converge onto another city for like a certain round of games. And then like after that, they'll go to another city and then like one city will only host like the final. Well, I was trying to count up the amount of stadiums that we're actually hosting. If I had to guess, they're probably going to all host um, group games. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the, like the knockout rounds, they'll go to the bigger stadiums and markets like you were talking about. So uh, probably like Seattle, Atlanta, uh, Los Angeles, New York, and probably uh, Mexico city. Mexico city is going to host a lot too. They're, I would be surprised if they didn't host like a semifinal, mm-hmm. uh, because that stadium. So it's there's so much history there, like uh, Maradona's hand of God goal, where he actually put his hand up and knocked it into the goal mm-hmm. instead of heading the ball, and that was a big thing um, back in '86. It's a big controversy. So they're gonna they're gonna have one um, at the very least a semifinal, I would think. Mm-hmm. And then if I had to guess another semifinal, probably uh, Dallas. And then I would, if I was a betting man, I would say New York will probably have the final. Okay. I was going to ask you, who who do you think is going to have the final game? Yeah. They, they won't announce it again. Like I think probably two years, they'll probably tell us game schedule, start releasing tickets and uh, say who the host cities are going to be. Because FIFA likes to make a big fucking spectacle of it. They, oh, of course. It's, you know, like an hour-long TV show just to tell us that one stadium is going to have a game, you know, shit like that. Hey, you know what, though, man? That's that's how you blow up the game. I mean, it's not like the NFL draft special or the release schedule or anything like that, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, not not here, at least. Overseas, right. probably a bigger deal, I'm sure. I do remember a conversation that you and I had years ago that when the uh, North America – was announced as gonna, they're going to host the 2026 uh, FIFA World Cup. You said you were going. So is that still in the cards? I mean, it's still a few years away, but. I'm going to do everything I can, um, short of letting my kids starve. So mm-hmm. I, it's still it's still in the cards for me. <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know. Man, those tickets are going to be so expensive. FIFA does like a like a lottery. So you put your name into a lottery and you get chosen to buy tickets. Mm. 
And if you're not on that and you got to buy aftermarket, they're going to start at at least $20,000. Jesus. $20,000? Yeah. World Cup tickets are outrageous. God damn. Is that the going rate for the uh, the FIFA, the World Cup games and was that Cutter? Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. I haven't even looked at tickets in that, but I bet you that they're probably at least at least ten thousand dollars. Really? That's the World Cup. They they moved that to the fall, didn't they? Uh, they're doing the winter because it's in you know in the Middle Eastern desert. Mm-hmm. Like um, they had play-in games. Uh, it was Australia and Peru, Costa Rica and New Zealand were the last four teams that can get in, kind of like a first four they do mm-hmm. for basketball. And they had it in Cutter, and they had to have water breaks during the game because it was over 100 degrees for both games. You know what, though? It wouldn't have been a problem if they just would have brought uh, old Bobby Boucher in there. That's true. We need a water boy. That's that that's, that's high-quality H2O right there. She <laughs> <laughs> showed me her boobies, and I like that very much, too. Mama mama said. (laughs) Speaking of boobies, Vince McMahon. Well, I was going to segue into uh, what the fuck's going on with your Browns, but uh, we can can talk about Vince McMahon. Um, You know what? We got got all kinds of, like, sexual uh, harassment slash hush money slash – so we could go either way. Okay, we'll we'll go into that next. Uh, Yeah, this is the sexual deviant part of the program. (laughs) Uh, what? Yeah, what, dude, what the fuck's up with your Browns, man? Like, uh, there was a story that came out today, I believe. Let me uh, check out the notes here. But uh, this, uh, actually, this story broke while I was in Colorado. And I had tweeted about it um, briefly. But uh, today, uh, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Well, actually, this is uh, Mark Maskey of the Washington Post. Uh, this is through... Mike Florio's pro football talk, but uh, Mike Maskey of the Washington Post. Got to give credit where credit's due. I don't need a lawsuit on my hands. I mean, even though neither one of those guys are going to listen to this show anyways. Maybe Mike Florio if he's bored. But uh, the NFL is seeking a significant suspension for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson of up to at least a year. Yeah, I I would be surprised if it was any less than 10 games. But what's going on with my Browns is they're so desperate to win that this supposed research they did, they clearly, I mean, when they said they didn't talk to any of the um, alleged victims, I was like, oh, this is a really bad idea. Yeah, because there's been two more cases that have, like two more lawsuits that have come up in recent weeks. Then there's that New York, that yeah, the New York Times article that uh, the Texans knew this shit was going on. They were even, like, their legal team was giving Deshaun Watson, like, non-disclosure agreements to give to these masseuses. I don't understand how the fuck you're going to give somebody a half a billion dollar contract, guaranteed. If I'm spending that kind of money, I do my, like, I'll put it to you like this, I... I do, did my due diligence on buying my laptop, which cost me 600 bucks. Yeah. I made sure, like, I'm getting my money's worth. Like, this thing isn't going to shit out on me. It's going to do what I need it to do. That's $600. Yeah. 
this is a quarter of a billion dollars. And now the Browns who ESPN, they've even said like they had him as a top 10 team going into the preseason. They may not even like, they're going to go into the season with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback for the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. I think he's a horrible quarterback, mm-hmm. but he's probably better than Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> you know? So the, yeah, the, the due diligence thing, like how I, I just, I don't understand what they were thinking. Um, the only thing that I can think of is they thought that because he did nothing criminal, allegedly, I mean, we can't even say allegedly. I mean, he was he was found not guilty by two grand juries, two different grand juries in two different counties, I believe. So, mm, yeah. Um, so he, criminally, he did nothing wrong. So they were probably thinking, since it's not criminal, that it won't come back as bad on them would be the only mindset that I could think of that they were doing. Um, I mean, I, I saw the, the real time sports, um, is that what the show's called? Bryant Gumble? Yeah. Um, hello, I'm Bryant Gumble. Yeah. This is real sports. That was really good. All you gotta (laughs) do is sound like a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) Check. Yep. Um, and you know, listening to the stories and they're all so similar and it's just, I, the guy clearly has some kind of masseuse porn fetish that 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 he apparently has to exercise or something. I don't know. It's the whole thing's fucking bizarre. It's just, it's a bizarre thing. Like you're an NFL quarterback, you can get whoever you want, and you go and you decide that it and I, that article you were talking about could be up to 60 women that he did this to Mm -hmm. which is incredible um i did see that the nflpa so what you're talking about with the significant uh suspension um i don't have the tweets up in front of me that you saw that you were talking about earlier i do know that the nfl is pushing for at least a year and the nflpa is pushing for no suspension um, on the basis of Robert Kraft getting away with what he got away with. Yeah, I was just getting ready to touch on that too. They said that the uh, if they the examples that they used recently were uh, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, and Daniel Snyder. Which I mean, Daniel Snyder itself, like how that guy is still even an owner is beyond me. But I guess apparently, according to the NFL Code of Conduct, the higher up you are on the food chain. The, I guess the more um, the higher moral code do you have to live your life by? So that's, they got the fact that these guys are getting well, no, it's just like you're the representative of the NFL. You're an owner, an NFL owner. And you sh- should hold yourself to a higher moral standard. I mean, even in your players, let's be yeah. real. Any any sports going to have you know bad apples in the bunch, just how it is. But. Uh, you're an NFL owner, you have to hold yourself to a higher moral standard. And the fact that these guys got slaps on the wrist, they, I, I was reading the same thing, that this could be Deshaun Watson's saving grace, which could limit his suspension. But 
also too, it's like one of those things where like all these cases keep coming out. Who's to say like, this is it. Yeah. Cause they keep and finding that, all this stuff and it's. Yeah. That, that was another thing that I was going to say. Like, I understand they want, I, I was watching the Pat McAfee show and they were talking Bravo, to good job. Uh, rap report. Um, rap sheet. Yeah. And he, uh, he was essentially breaking down what's, what's going to occur with this. So they have a, they have a lady who I can't remember her name, but she's an, uh, she's arbit an arbiter, arbiter. Is that what you call arbitration? Arbitrator. Um, so they're essentially what will happen is the NFL will show all the evidence that they have to her. The NFL PA will argue against said evidence with the examples of the owners like you were talking about. She'll give a recommendation on suspension as a third-party independent um, person, and then it ultimately comes down to Roger Goodell deciding how many games uh, he gets suspended. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all very strange. So the, like the the lady um, could essentially come back and say no suspension. Are you referring to uh, the judge? I was reading it now. Uh, yeah. Retired federal judge Sue L. Robinson. There you go, Sue L. Robinson. Thank you. Um, there was another thing I was going to touch on about this. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Kessler is representing Deshaun Watson in the NFLPA. He's the guy that um, represented Tom Brady in Deflategate. Um, and there's a couple other. Uh, Deshaun things. Watson's also uh, represented by uh, Rusty Harden, who was uh, doing that uh, trotting Roger Clemens around when Clemens was fighting his, uh, the whole steroid thing back when he was still, uh, I think it just retired. God, it seems like that was fucking ages ago now. But, uh, yeah, it was Clemens' attorney when uh, all that steroid shit came down on Clemens, too. He's a real piece yeah. of work. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Well, so is the uh, the lawyer representing the women. That guy is, gives me the creeps. Uh, any, most lawyers do. Yeah, I mean, any kind of high-profile thing where there's, like, sexual harassment and possible sexual assault involved, it just it makes my skin crawl a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can, for one, I don't know how you can do that to somebody. And for two, like why, when you have all that money, he's a good, he's a handsome guy too. So and he's like, rich. you don't, he's rich. You don't need, you don't need to sexually harass masseuses. Get a fucking, get a girlfriend who's a masseuse. I'm sure. She would love to rub your groin for you. I'm sure it's a power thing too. Yeah, it probably is. I don't know, like, so, I mean, like, I guess the end game, the question I have is, like, first off, I mean, what do you think, how long do you think he's going to be suspended for? I mean, neither one of us are experts in this field. We just play him on TV. But, like, what do you think he's going to do? Like, what do you think is going to happen with him? I think because of what baseball did with Trevor Bauer, I think they're going to go a full year. You think he'll get a year? I think he'll get a year. Um, I think... What's going to happen is the NFL is going to recommend a year, and I think what they're banking on is 
they're going to overshoot what they're going to recommend, thinking that, okay, she's going to cut it down anyways, so why not overshoot it? And that way she kind of meets us somewhere to what we think is going to happen. I think it'll, I think it'll be 10 games. Which is almost the entire, like three-fourths of the season almost. Yeah, they would they'd have seven games left. Mm-hmm. Chances are, well, I mean, that roster's good. As long as Brissett doesn't turn the ball over, then Cleveland, like, that's what happened when they went to the playoffs in that run, mm-hmm. is Baker Mayfield just didn't turn the ball over. Um, he had the one game, the, or the two games against Cincinnati where he looked like a world beater of a quarterback, but that was about it. Um. So, but chances are Cleveland's going to be out of it by then anyway. So he'll probably end up sitting out the re year anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, my next question for you is um, do you think that this has any bearing on Cleveland trying to trade Baker Mayfield now? Do you think it's going to slow down the process? Like, hey, we could be potentially without him, without Watson for the year. Baker has taken us to the playoffs. I mean, most people are going to tell you that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is a much better quarterback than I am, not dissing him. But do you think that somebody in, like, Cleveland tries to mend fences with Baker now? Because they've essentially got him for a year anyways. Not really going to have much bearing on the salary cap at this point anyway. So do you think that... They're going to try to maybe mend fences with him, try to like, hey, just play out play out the, this season. This is probably your best shot of showcasing your skills on a winning team and being a starting quarterback. It's going to only improve your – like you have a better shot of uh, upping your value playing for us than you would be us trading you to Carolina, who's – obviously Carolina doesn't really stand much of a shot. Let's be real. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I as much as I think that would make sense for both parties, I think the Browns could use Mayfield uh, this year, and um, I think Mayfield could use the Browns. Mm-hmm. Even, but I think that relationship's too broken. You think? I mean, they did essentially lie to him and say that <laughs> you know he was their guy going forward. And then they went out, and when he was having surgery, they went out and paid a quarter of a billion dollars for a guy that's probably not even going to play. Like that, if that doesn't show you your value to a franchise, I don't know what will. Right. Like they're willing to go out and get a guy that's going to be out for an entire fucking year over you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess that was a wishful thinking question. I mean, I still think there's a potential. I mean, if I were Baker, though, I would seriously, like, I would start using this, like, there, I, you know, like, hey, there's still, we can mend this. Because I think that's honestly, I think that's his best opportunity right now is to stay there, at least for right now, until this whole Watson thing shakes out. Of course, he could have him by the short curlies if they just say, okay, he's gone for the year. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think... I don't think Baker Mayfield plays another down for the Browns. Really? Yeah. I, and I think the Carolina trade will go through. Now, I think this gives Carolina even more leverage um, in the sense that, you know, that bond or that, that uh, 
that is so broken between Mayfield and them and the Browns that they're, they're just trying to get rid of him. I mean, they dismissed him from camp, mm. you know, so I don't see any chance of him playing for him. Well, how bad or how far has Baker Mayfield fallen from grace that he has gone from the quarterback that took the Browns to the Super Bowl or the not Super Bowl. I know that's wishful thinking. I think it's more of a movie scenario at this point. But took the Browns to the playoffs for the first time since what? Tim Couch was a quarterback. No, it's Kelly Holcomb. Uh, Kelly, Kelly Holcomb. Yep. Sorry, thank you. That's that's why I got you on. That's exactly <laughs> why I brought you on here. It's like, okay, if anyone's going to be able to correct me on Brown shit, it'll be Lucas. But you go from being the uh, quarterback that led the Browns to the playoffs and a playoff win, I may add, Very to true. where now there's rumblings you're going to get traded for Sam Darnold straight up. God, that's rough. Sam Darnold's a fucking turd too. Sam Darnold take, stinks. I think I would take Mayfield over him. I would. I, just, I would totally take Mayfield over Sam Darnold. I just can't stand Baker Mayfield. I know you don't. I personally, I don't like him as a uh, a player simply because being a fan of the Ohio State University, what he did at the Horseshoe when the Oklahoma and Ohio State played, I will never forgive him for that. Yeah. And I always, like, <laughs> even when I see those. Uh, commercials he's in I always kind of back my head like get off the screen motherfucker but I think I still think he got a raw deal playing hurt and I mean there's a lot of blame to go around he should have said hey this isn't he should looked out for himself Brown should looked out for themselves too it's just a bad situation all around I don't think he was as bad as he was last year but yeah he may not be but I don't think that's the reason nobody wants him I think the reason nobody wants him is because he's a he's a locker room cancer, or at least that's the rumor. See, I was actually reading about that today, and actually, with the exception of the Odell Beckham shit, he's actually gotten a lot of praise for being a very positive locker room influence. I read three or four different stories about this from different sources saying, like, he's actually really good in the locker room. So I don't know if this is one of those things that has been spread around to kind of drive his trade value down, make him look like a piece of shit human being. I mean, he looks like the sure. type of player that, because he has like he he's a very fiery individual. Just from, like he's like somebody that I would probably want to play for, or yeah. play with, but I don't like him because he disrespected the shoe. Yeah, understandable. So I mean, like, are you? <laughs> what's your uh, what's your feelings going into the season with potentially Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback and not having? the quarter of a billion dollar man behind center. Well, you got, you got a really good defense, really good defense. Um, and you have everybody on offense that you really need except for the quarterback. So mm-hmm. like I said, it's just a matter of him not turning the ball over, you know, maybe leading one or two game winning drives, which I don't think he's capable of. He's not, he's Jacoby Brissett's not very good. Um, he's a very so, good backup quarterback. Let's preface yeah. that. I would probably say maybe if you were to rank the NFL starting quarterbacks, I would say maybe he's like 36th. Is he, is he the one that played for Indy that year? He's played. Yeah. He, he was the Colts, uh, starting quarterback, uh, the year Andrew Luck abruptly retired, which he did some good things. He did. There. He did decently. That's why I'd say like, 
Obviously, he's not NFL. Well, you can probably put him in like maybe the low 30s. He might be like 30, 31, 32, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's in the 30 to 36 range. He's living in that neighborhood, you know, cul-de-sac area. Paper boy comes through, throws the paper on the front porch. He's living in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> two-story, maybe even three. Yeah, he may. Have, yeah, he's got a finished basement, uh, two-story, you know, two-story house. He's got an in-ground pool. You know, three, four car garage. He's doing all right for himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, I don't, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of hope for them making the playoffs. Um, because, I mean, they have, they have the AFC winning team in their division. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then I don't think Pittsburgh got much better, their quarterback situation. Um, even that rookie, um, talking to Jason Cheshire, our frequent guest on here, he was not happy about that draft pick. I uh, when he uh, we talked about Kenny Pickett, I was expecting him to say he's like uh, Carney's small hands smell like cabbage <laughs> from Austin <laughs> Powers. Um, and then there's Baltimore, who Baltimore's Baltimore every year. I never count against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it makes no sense. They got rid of their best wide receiver. Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, he's not a good quarterback. He can run away from everybody, but he's not a good quarterback. And now they're getting um, J.K. Dobbins back, so they're probably going to rush for like 500 yards a game. I've always felt Deshaun Watson, that was actually a topic I was considering before all the the last story that we're going to talk about. I was considering Chris Sims brought out a uh, – his top NFL quarterbacks list, uh, Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk. Yeah. And he had uh, Lamar Jackson at 10, which I think is about right for him. I don't know. I I, I think Lamar Jackson's a solid quarterback, but if you were to take him from Baltimore, like is how many of those quarterbacks are more important to their team than Lamar Jackson is to Baltimore? Not many. No. Yeah, he's so. – He's the driving force behind that team. I don't know where they uh, they had Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't know if they have. I don't know if their rankings was basically simply based on, uh, you know, like your skill set, leadership abilities, being able to keep your shit in your pants, (laughs) leave the fucking towel on. Yeah, that you know, keeping the peace in the holster. Like his score be like a negative (laughs) twenty. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like. I personally, I, I have no respect for, you know, like I loved Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. I am not a Clemson guy. I thought he was a tremendous talent. I think he got overlooked going into the draft. I think he was a steal when the Texans got him. Never in a million years would I have thought that he was the person that he is. And I, I just have, I have trouble believing that this many people come forward and he isn't, you know, he hasn't done something. Yeah, and I think personally, I think at least a year he should get it. But I, you know, winning takes precedence over anything, and he's a marketable name, and this will get swept under the rug. Like I see Browns fans all the time; like they don't give a shit that he did this to women. It's like I he better be throwing fucking to Joku the ball fifteen times a game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a sweep it under the rug type of guy. It'll be um, forgot. It'll be forgotten if it will. It will be next like year. Yeah, take, they'll forget all about it. So if he takes the Browns to a Super Bowl, 
nobody's going to ever even know that he ever did anything wrong. He's going to be in the fucking Ring of Honor. He'll be in the, pro, the Football Hall of Fame, all that stuff. Okay, uh, last question for you before we go into the next story. If Deshaun Watson wins a Super Bowl with the Browns, who's the bigger Cleveland hero, Deshaun Watson or LeBron James? Deshaun Watson. I was going to say the same thing. Because even though there was – what, 2 million people out for that parade uh, for the basketball team when they won the, the championship? There would be 10 million. Yeah, I'd say Cleveland's people. a football town. It's a 100% a football town. I mean, the, the Indians, good team. Um, hell, they were in the World Series, what, 2016? Is that uh, one it was, 2014? Yeah, 2016, don't remind 2016. me. 2016. <laughs> I drank a lot of booze to get through that week. <laughs> so, I mean, they're... And they embrace them too, but they're not. There's nothing is the Cleveland Browns. Everybody in Cleveland is a Browns fan. Some people in Cleveland are Guardians and Cavs fans. Hello. I hit. I dialed my mom's phone by mistake, and I guarantee you, she's going to call me here in just a moment. Oh man, Potato Rita. Yeah, I I was getting ready to queue up a video clip, and then I hit. My phone by mistake. So, yeah, my mom's probably going to be calling me in a second. Did you call? Are you okay? Everything all right? Um, yeah, like I, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I, I just – and I just – I guess that's the the sickening side to sports to an extent. It's just like at the end of the day, as long as you win, a lot of shit will get swept under the rug. Well, I was, if you, you remember a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I don't know, times – Relative with me, I I don't sleep these days with two babies. But um, the Carl Malone stories, that thing I sent you, where yeah, that guy is just the biggest piece of fucking shit in the world, but nobody cares because nope. he was the mailman. Yeah, yeah, he delivered. Yeah, nobody gives a shit how big of a piece of shit he is. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh. Speaking of. Uh... Pieces of shit. Uh, the last uh, sports story in our world that I want to talk about is uh, on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday evening, I want to say. Um, yeah, Wednesday evening. The Wall Street Journal dropped a bombshell of a report where WWE owner Vince McMahon uh, paid a paralegal who he had an extramarital affair with $3 million dollars. To keep her mouth shut. Jesus Christ. Mom. Oh, there, there, there's, uh, yep. there's old Ma Rita. Yep, there it was. I knew it was going to. I knew uh, she was going to call. Adam, can you edit that out, please? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, $3 million payout. Uh, had an extramarital affair with this paralegal. Uh, she had apparently gotten a $100,000 raise while uh, this affair was going on. And uh, also Vince McMahon uh, apparently decided to share the goods, per se, with uh, head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis. Oh, all right. So, yeah, there's a business at both ends, huh? Yeah. um, I'm going to bring up, this is probably, yeah, this is from the Wall Street Journal through Yahoo Sports. An investigation by the WWE Board of Directors has uncovered a secret $3 million settlement paid out by Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon to hide an affair with a former employee, according to the Wall Street Journal's Joe 
Palozzo and Ted Mann. The employee in question was reportedly hired as a paralegal in 2019 and left after signing a separation agreement, barring her from discussing the relationship. Uh, this apparently, there's a ton of uh, claims of misconduct by former employees about Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis, and apparently there's been quite a few payouts as such. Uh, I guess McMahon used uh, his... There's Mom. There it goes again. She's probably <laughs> fucking worried sick. Um, apparently she... Uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to read this. I kind of skimmed through all this stuff pretty quick when we were putting this episode together tonight because it's kind of on the fly. Um, That's the way it should be. Yeah, he uh, apparently uh, the findings preliminary say that he paid out of his own pocket with his own money, but still this is not a very good look. Um, then uh, stories this morning uh, that he had stepped down from his role as the chairman and CEO on an interim basis and was replaced by his daughter, Stephanie, who recently took a leave of absence from the company as well. And then, uh, oh, this is probably about six hours before they went live, but Vince McMahon decided to appear on SmackDown tonight. And uh, I'm going to say I don't think this went over very well. I think this is very poor taste, but I'll play the – did you see the clip? I, I saw some of it. Yeah, it, 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 and yeah, it is poor taste. All right, well, I'm gonna play the clip for the fans at home. Uh, let you uh, decide, and I'll give you my thoughts on it here real quick. This is uh, from uh, Ryan Satin's uh, Twitter account. I'm here simply to remind you of the four words we just saw, and the, what we call the WWE signature. Those four words are then. Now, forever, and the most important word is together. That's all he said, and he fucking split. That's it. No acknowledgement of what happened. No, like, no, like, I wouldn't expect him to come out and apologize, but I think if you're going to come out and say something like that, or if you're going to, like, announce, like, hey, I'm going to be on the show, I figured you were at least acknowledging, you know, that you're going to say something about it. And I think it was just kind of a real cheap ploy to get people to tune in. Yeah, and it, it probably was. I mean, he's a businessman. That's all he does. He doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks. I mean, I'm sh- sure he doesn't even give a shit what his wife thinks. And it makes me wonder. So, go ahead. Oh, I guess, yeah, apparently the rumor is that uh, both of them are uh, separated right now. I guess they've been for uh, a little while. Um, I would not be surprised if Stephanie stepped down because she heard these allegations before they were made public and, you know, she just needed to get away from the whole thing. Um, and then obviously I think stepping back in as the CEO, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you, so WWE is a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. So do you think that the shareholders could possibly force Vince out? Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, Vince McMahon controls a significant amount of WWE stock. I mean, to where, like, 
I think it's like a 70-30 split. So I don't think they can – they really have – I don't know if they could force him out. It would be – like he said he's agreed to accept whatever this committee finds. But I think it would take quite a bit, and I think it would probably have to go to – I'm not – like once again, not a, a legal expert – I would imagine something like that would have to go through the courts to get him out. So I wonder if though if their stock tanks enough. I think I just... think they are going to have they're going to have stock. I think their prices are going to go down. But the thing of it is though, man, that company makes so much money hand over fist between even if their stocks took a shit, they get so much of this money from like TV rights and stuff that like it's not going to be enough to where some fucking multimillionaire is like, well, it looks like I, I'm making seventy million dollars instead of seventy point two five off of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I almost wonder if Stephanie too, maybe if not stepped away from the role because she was upset. Maybe if she's like, uh, she knew this was coming down. Well, she apparently this has been known role. since April, and she stepped down in May. So I almost. I don't want to speculate, but I would not be the least bit surprised if that did not have quite a bit to do with her stepping down. And I wonder if she stepped down from that role so that she could take over CEO because she knew that Vince was going to step down for a minute. And I wonder if she's almost going to be, if Vince maybe just to level out the stock, because even though you said, you know, he makes so much money, businessmen never make enough, billionaires never make enough money. So I almost wonder if she'll be like, a puppet CEO and he'll really still be running all the shit. I was just getting ready to say that I, that what we've seen tonight, that's exactly what that says to me is he came out. Hey, I stepped down, but I'm still running the fucking show around here. He's actually still head of creative. He's only, he stepped down from, and I I don't know if anybody watched uh, SmackDown tonight, but tonight's SmackDown episode was pretty evident. He's still in charge of creative. It's, the same piss poor uh, booking that has plagued the WWE for the, quite a while, but um, yeah, that whole display tonight is totally told me. Anyways, it said to me that hey, I'm still in charge, despite what I say. I'm still running shit around here. Yeah, and so I I wonder if she'll be CEO for a while until it it dies down because it's. It's sports, and we all have, we all have the attention span that of like you know, a month or two for most things. So, once that's done, just like Deshaun Watson, it'll all get swept under the rug. It'll all be forgotten. Nobody well, will give a shit. So, well, I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, I don't think anything's gonna happen. It's nothing's gonna happen to him. Because I mean, if it, he paid out of his own money, granted, that doesn't make what he did right. It's completely wrong. I mean, he did give her a raise out of WWE funds, like the company funds, a substantial raise at that. Like, fuck, $100,000 a year raise? For a paralegal. I've never sniffed sniffed $100,000 in a year, period, let alone a bump of over $100,000. But, um, right. I, I honestly, I think it's one of those things where I guess it's the the founder and a CEO of a very prominent, I think the more shocking story is just the fact that somebody who 
essentially creates entertainment for families. Is well, caught I something mean, like this? Honestly, that almost sounds like it. Like what always happens? It's always some kind of controversy with some kind of family. I mean, fuck Bill Cosby was mm. a family show, right? And the man was raping women, right? So like, and I, I think that's where most of this story is coming from is the fact that it's like, okay, you got a guy that creates essentially programming for kids, and. I, people that have followed the wrestling industry for years should know by now that you could devote an entire season, I would guess, of Dark Side of the Ring just to the shady shit Vince McMahon's done. I'm sure I'm, there's tons of shit that we don't know about that could probably be uncovered that he's probably done. I, I, I've never looked at him as like a saint. And I think that's where a lot of the sensationalism comes from is this fact like, okay, there's a guy that creates content for families Family man himself, not so much. So, yeah, I, I personally think that John Laurinaitis is probably going to be the scapegoat in this. He's probably going to be the one that takes the fall for this. Guarantee it. But I mean, people have hated John Laurinaitis for years anyway. So, a lot of people in the industry will will probably be like, he deserved that. But yeah, I, you're right. Vince McMahon is not going to take. And and like I said, with all, with the attention span of the world. You know, it yeah, just, this is going to be the bit, the next news story. Yeah, I mean, shit. Tomorrow we won't even hear about any more of it. I'm sure there's there's going to be some backlash for a few days just because of the tone deaf, uh, pre, like him coming out and just being tone deaf to the whole situation. Yeah, you were talking about. I was uh, actually kind of sick by sickened by like people were just like the people in the crowd were just like eating it up. The fact that he showed up, it's like okay, this guy cheated on his wife. Probably not the first time. Probably not the last time. You know, paid somebody to shut up just so. And then he he passed this woman around to his head of talent relations. Like, essentially the way it was described is he passed her around like a toy. He was sharing a toy with a friend. Yeah. And, and People are just eating it up. Like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. I'm, I'm here. I want to see Matt Riddle beat Roman Reigns. <laughs> and it was just like you were talking about Deshaun Watson, a power trip thing. Mm-hmm. People that are, at least this is how I view it, people that are substantially wealthy, so multi-millionaires, multi-billionaires, they don't live in the real world like the rest of us do. They have their own set of rules that they get to live by, and it doesn't matter what the common person thinks. You know, it doesn't. none of that matters. Mm-hmm because they don't live by the same rules. Like, you, you know, you think Vince McMahon gives a shit that he pissed off Linda McMahon by cheating on her? I highly doubt it. No, I he think, probably looks at it like she wouldn't be where she's at with it without him, you know, or something like that. Right. Yeah, and it's just, it's it's one of those things where they just don't live in, in the real world. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Which, right. You know, they've, most of them earned the right to you know, have a little bit of stroke because they've made that money, but not to the point of being a piece of shit human being. Right. Yeah, I, I have a feeling by the time Survivor Series rolls around, it probably won't even... This is a, a small blip on the radar. Yeah, he'll be back in... He'll be back as a CEO by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with these sports dudes... Like, man, it just, 
it's not that hard to walk the straight line, man. Just because you got money doesn't mean you have to be a piece of shit human being, especially the opposite yeah. sex, you know? Right, and I don't know where the whole... I thought we were getting better as a society with uh, equality between men and women, but it's still it's pretty obvious that there's still a power trip from men towards women and, and an imbalance, and it, it sucks. Yeah. Um, the uh, other big story out of the re- – do you want to touch on Jeff Hardy at all? or? Yeah, we can. Uh, Jeff Hardy got uh, – who has struggled quite infamously with uh, substance abuse at uh, one point uh, during a pay-per-view event for uh, Total Nonstop Action, showed up drunk, uh, was busted for DUI once again on Monday. Um, he was charged with driving on a suspended license and violating a restriction which required him to have a DUI interlock device in his vehicle. And um, actually, I was reading today that on Wednesday night's Dynamite, the main event was scheduled to be the Hardy Boys, which is Matt and Jeff, the Young Bucks, and uh, Jurassic Express in a ladder match for the tag team titles. And after what happened to... uh, Did you end up watching any of Double or Nothing? I don't know if you did. No, I didn't end up watching it. Well, um... Jeff Hardy looked like he had gotten shaken up pretty bad or something was he wasn't quite right for that match with the Young Bucks. He just didn't look very good. So yeah. they sent him in to get his brain a scan of his brain to see what was going on. And I guess they were going to write them out of the show to where they were going to have him come out get jumped by somebody and took him out of the match. So it was always going to be I guess as of Monday it was going to be just Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks. Um, but I guess he was driving to his brain scan under the influence. Yeah, it, and I don't want to. I don't want to pick on him um, at all because it's it's clearly it's a horrible problem for him. Um, well, addiction's a hard problem for anybody. I mean, I've knock on wood have never been a victim or struggled with that. I always count myself very fortunate not to do so. So I can't speak for people that struggle with it. I I can't imagine the hell that you have to go through to live with that every day. But go ahead. Yeah, and you know I grew up with an alcoholic, two of them actually. Both of my parents were severe alcoholics when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I I see what alcohol, like addiction, does to somebody, you know it essentially takes over their life and they don't feel like they can function without it. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I feel incredibly sad for him and his family. Um, He got clean for a long time and then he went back to WWE and clearly that struck a nerve with him. And I think it carried over to AEW because you know, they were WWE was trying to send him to rehab. And I remember there was an episode of, Matt Hardy's podcast where they were essentially mocking the WWE for trying to do that um, because he passed a drug test that they gave him. But I think when they were trying to send him there for alcohol, not drugs, which he also has a pass of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys beat the shit out of his body for our entertainment for almost 30 years now, right? 25 years. Yeah. At like least. That. Yeah. So it, 
I think it set set his set him off. There's like certain triggers that people have, even after they get clean, you know. And I think going back to WWE was probably the worst thing for him, uh, as far as addiction goes. And I think it carried over to AEW, and he got caught, you know, drinking and driving. He's just the man's got a problem. He's and the only for person really, I mean, you can go to rehab all you want, but the only person that can really turn it around is him, and clearly he's not ready for that yet. Mm. So, Yeah, I just think that the abuse he's done to himself over the years, and I, you know, honestly, like, I don't think it was, I th- personally think it's the shit he's been doing in AEW that might have been the trigger for this, because that, I don't know if you've seen some of the shit he's done in AEW, but, like, he has put himself through the fucking ringer since he's showed up there. I, did you see the, the ladder spot with Darby Allen? Yeah. On and, the chairs. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I, I personally think it just seems like he always has these instances when you could just tell that he is just not right physically. And it just makes me wonder if he's just not, like he can't cope with the pain that he's in. So this is how he's medicating himself. I mean, I, I, I'm a, well I'm a Jeff, I am a Jeff Hardy fan, the Hardy boys. Like, I've always considered that uh, that attitude era of tag team wrestling to be the best tag team wrestling in the history of wrestling as, as long as I've been alive. I mean, there's yeah. so many great tag teams that came out of that division. I honestly don't think there's anything left for him to prove. He's done everything you can do in the business. I can kind of see the, the sentimental value of wanting to have one last run with his brother who right. also anymore doesn't seem like he is in the greatest of shape either. Yeah. I, I, I think it's time for him to give it up. I mean, just for his personal well-being. I hate seeing him struggle like this. I hate seeing anybody struggle like this. And I really think that once you've hit rock bottom, is like, I would imagine getting busted, a public figure getting busted for DUI, it's got to be close to rock bottom as you can get. Yeah, and this is his third one uh, I forget. There was a well, there was another charge. It was like third one within so many years or something. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's he has to have a locking mechanism on his car. This is essentially the, a breathalyzer to be able to start it, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's had tons of issues with this, but it's just one of those things where, like, you know, I would think that. Well, personally. If you get embarrassed on live television during a pay-per-view, you're obviously drunk. That would be like rock bottom of rock bottom. But especially when you're going against a legend like Sting, mm-hmm. like that—that's it's a big moment. He, you know, he's only had so many big moments. He's he uh, had that match with the Undertaker uh, during the Attitude Era. That was a big with that ladder match. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. He, you know, he earned the respect. <laughs> right, the and, Undertaker and stuff. I mean, it's just one of those things where how much you. I think for like guys in that industry who thrive off of the reaction they get from a crowd, it's one of those things. And if you're struggling with stuff like substance abuse, is like how often, or like how is the feeling that you get from getting a crowd reaction like is it worth the existential stuff? To where you not only could have killed yourself, you could have killed somebody else driving. Uh, he's got a family. I don't understand, like, is the rush worth all that? 
And I guess and that's I guess that's the the thing that he's going to have to eventually struggle with and come to a conclusion. It's like, okay, is getting the adulation of thousands of fans, which hell, fuck now he's only wrestling what once a week maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, five times a month, six if there's a pay-per-view. Well, they they're doing indie shows too. They Oh yeah, I forgot they like Yeah, matter shows. of fact, I think Matt's supposed to be uh they were supposed to be doing a uh, big event for AAA tomorrow, which Matt is still doing it with a surprise tag team partner. Yeah, it, it just, to me, what it looks like is when The Undertaker kept coming back at WrestleMania mm-hmm. year after year, and every year it just looked way worse, and he was way slower because his body was just so beat up. That's what it feels like with the Hardy Boys right now. Like, they think they can do it mentally, but physically, like, Watching Matt Hardy get up off the mat to where his leg is like his right leg is like straight because he can't even fucking bend it. Mm-hmm. It it's it sucks to watch because you know I I love those TLC matches and everything that those guys did to entertain me for years. I appreciate it. I really do. Like the wrestlers, thank you for everything you've done. You know because you guys have really torn yourselves up for us. But at some point, you have to know when you're done. Right. It's when is enough enough. And that's a lot of guys struggle with that. Well, fuck, um, Ric Flair is uh, doing a another retirement match. Uh, there's a huge uh, wrestling convention called StarCast, which I've always wanted to go to. Uh, the guy that does a lot of uh, the big wrestling podcast in the industry, like uh, Bruce Pritchard, something to wrestle with. Jim Ross has Grilling JR. Uh, He's got one with Kurt Angle, Tony Schiavone. He's a big player in the wrestling podcast industry. Uh, he puts on this convention, and his father-in-law is actually Ric Flair. He's married to uh, Ric Flair's oldest daughter, I believe. Ric yeah. Flair's doing a retirement match at this convention. Yeah, I saw, and it's the man's got a fucking pacemaker. Like, he could die mm-hmm. in this match. Right, and uh, that's just uh, another prime example. I mean... Ric Flair, I, I seen something about, like, how often is Ric Flair going to tarnish his legacy? And it's like, he, I mean, he had the perfect send-off uh, with his WrestleMania match at Shawn Michaels. You came back from that. I mean, it's pretty much, I don't even remember that now. Yeah, I, I remember Ric Flair more now for the, the run in uh, TNA and, like, the attempts to come back after that more than I do the fucking heyday of Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and even, like, the retirement match with Shawn Michaels. It just, it sucks. Yeah, it's, it's just, he's... It sucks. It's sad. It's, it. you know, it's, I understand, like, time, I seem like it's flown by since, since the Attitude Era, since 97, you know, mm-hmm. since 90, 96, 97, 98, that area. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how long ago that was. Right. You know, it, it's, it's crazy that, my daughter is 21. She wasn't even alive yet for the Attitude Era. Right. Like, that's fucking nuts to me. And but and there's things like, I, you know, I just turned 35. There's things that I think that I can still do. I go out and I shoot a basketball with my stepdaughter, and I got to take a fucking day off after that because I hurt my hamstring or something. Right. You know, so it's just – I, I understand that you think you can still do it and you want to still do it, but it's just, it's time. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you and I can't see it from the lenses either that I'm sure that like I've never been able to experience a rush like that where you have tens of thousands of people like absolutely adore you that have paid money to watch you do what you're good at and love it. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't speak to how that, that feeling is. So, I mean, I guess I could see it, but it's like at the same time too, you have to eventually there's always going to be like in the wrestling industry or whatever, there's always the one opponent you will never beat. And that's father time. Yep. Well said. Well, well, um, I had one last thing uh, I wanted to touch on before we wrap this up. Um, real quick, uh, Dave Hebner, former, uh, WWE referee who is, uh, I consider him and his twin brother Earl to be kind of like the uh, the Mills Lane of professional wrestling. You always kind of knew that it was a big match if one of those two guys was the referee. Um, you would probably, I don't know, you, this might be a little before your time, but some people listening will probably remember <clears throat> Dave Hebner best as uh, there was a, a big uh, wrestling program on uh, NBC used to do Saturday night's main event. <clears throat> used to be yeah, a big it, thing. It was before my time, but I I, I know. Yeah, it used to be. Uh, they would do it like maybe once every quarter. It was like uh, it was usually like a big house show that they taped. They just made it for TV, but um, they did a special Friday night version of it. It aired in primetime called the main event. And this particular one was the first one they did. It was Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan in a rematch from WrestleMania three. And essentially, this is notorious for. They did this swerve where uh, Earl and Dave Hebner are twins. They look exactly alike. Can't tell the difference. And uh, what happened was is uh, Dave was supposed to be the referee. You come to find out that he has been tied up and locked into a closet, and the million-dollar man has actually bought his brother off, and uh, his brother helped Andre the Giant beat Hulk Hogan for the world title, which was a huge thing because, I mean, Hulk Hogan had been the champion for like four years. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, it's a huge deal. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that version of the main event is still the highest-rated wrestling program to run on broadcast television, and that was in 1988. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's. I mean, granted, they don't run t- like wrestling on TV as much, but you know, you consider Monday Night Raw and you know all those like it's still the highest-rated wrestling show to ever run on TV. Shit, almost 40 years. Well, but those well, those two also transcended like transcended wrestling. You know, they were they were known actors as well. So yeah, maybe not, maybe not as much Hulk Hogan. He was more like, but everybody knew who he was. Yeah, well, but, I mean, yeah, still it was still a a huge deal, and like Dave Hebner was part of that. Uh, he passed away today at age seventy three. I guess he had been battling Parkinson's disease for a while. Still kind of yeah. a kind of a bummer way to in the program, but this has also been like a shit show week, shitty people. So yeah. why not just cap the episode off like that? Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Nope. Happy to be back. Um, sorry that I had to take some time away, but well, you know you. what? I wasn't expecting to take time off either, but you know, I, I tried to record while we were all, uh, on uh, vacation and I tried two different cords to hook my microphone up to my iPhone did not work like uh, the internet said it was going to. So thanks a fucking lot, Google, for lying to me. 
<laughs> and then, son of a bitch. And uh, yeah, that the motherfucker known as COVID hit the house and kind of put a clamp on it. Then, but I guess it's it's poetic that I make my return when you make your return. I think so. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, start pumping these back out every uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So we'll be back on schedule now. Sounds good. Can't wait to uh, keep talking about shit with you. All right. Well, uh, until then, we will talk to you guys later. And that's going to put a bow on today's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. As much as we did recording it, Lucas and I had a blast. Nice getting back in the saddle with my old running buddy. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. We do appreciate the love, and it makes us a little bit more easier to find for uh, folks that are in search of awesome content, such as the Couch Potato Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or on Twitter, which is uh, where we seem to be the most active at. You can find us at Couch Bro Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're going to drop a new episode, I think, since this one's coming out a little later. I think we're going to wait till uh, Thursday night or Friday. Uh, me and producer Adam... We're actually going to hop on. We're going to give uh, our thoughts and opinions on the uh, Disney Plus limited series Obi-Wan, which uh, I've been looking forward to. I need to catch up on a couple episodes, but we're going to give our full recap and review, give our thoughts on the show itself, uh, which I think the last episode runs this Wednesday. I think it's a six-run episode. I don't know. Well, if uh, they've got more episodes, I do apologize. We'll do something else. Who knows? But uh, until uh, next week, we will talk to you guys later.